Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Andy, we get to talk about your boys today, your Minnesota Vikings, the team that you bleed purple through and through. Um, and a team that I am really not sure what I'm going to land on here about how to bet these guys, because this Vikings team is a little bit of uh, an open book, I got to say. Uh, and a lot of that is because they went through a major re- regime change last year. Uh, and I think as we reflect on the 2021 season up in Minnesota, it was pretty close to not being a regime change. There was, you know, the ball bounces a little differently early in the season. I think people are probably talking about the Vikings as a dark horse for the Super Bowl. Instead, it's yeah. uh, the end of the Zimmer administration. We just had this same conversation around several golfers like Will Zalatoris. What if he wins those, you know, what if he wins those, uh, playoffs or you know patrick cantlay early in the season had like four straight top fives what if two of those are wins like yeah just look at scotty scheffler yeah (laughs) yeah you just you look at somebody so much differently if a few little things happen it's just and and granted i I shouldn't say binary because you can tie but for the most part the nfl is more binary where a loss by one at the last second counts the same as a loss by you know 75 points where you're never in the game. So it, it is such a binary thing looking at that win-loss record. And yes, the Minnesota Vikings were in like 14 one-score games. They had a bunch of games that came right down to the wire. And you know what? They didn't lose them all. They won some of them. We talked about that Lions game where uh, they were probably fortunate to sneak out of there with the win. But they they really didn't get blown out much. They didn't blow people out much. And there was a lot of close games. And yeah, two or three of those games end up the other way. They're in the playoffs. Maybe they win a game. And then people like, oh, the, when a team gets to the playoffs and they win a game, or maybe they, you know, they just compete with a top seed, people build that narrative. They say, hey, guess what? This is something we could build off of next year. And you're probably 100% correct, Drew. Mike Zimmer is still in the building if uh, if this was a playoff team last year. But it wasn't. It ended up 8-9, and nine and uh, I, I guess I was surprised Spielman got the axe. But the second – That was uh, a surprise, yeah. Yeah, the second division uh, team in this division that went full full ass on it. New head coach, new, uh, new front manager, front office GM. So, Kwesi – out of Cleveland, which is probably a good treat. But this is the thing too, and we're gonna we'll get into all this. But there's a lot of unknowns around this team because, um, you know, it's the same thing we said with Aberflus and Getzy. It was like, well, we can surmise what we think they'll be, but we've never really seen this guy call plays either of them. We don't know what this guy looks like outside of, you know, did did Aberflus make Darius Leonard or did Darius Leonard fall to them in the draft just turned to be you know turned out to be in the right spot at the right time and made Aberflus look like a really good head coach so there's a lot of what ifs that we're gonna sort out that's a problem we struggle with every year and the Vikings I believe are even more what ify than the Bears because uh, I mean what was your quote about the Bears it's like the maybe the worst offensive roster in the league 
I think I mean for my money. Yeah, no, I mean <laughs> yeah. If, if not if not bottom three yeah. at best case. Um, the Vikings have a good offensive roster. We saw that in in you know plain daylight last year. Justin Jefferson had sixteen hundred yards. Dalvin Cook missed three or four games, still had like twelve hundred yards. You know, they actually have a couple pieces that are starting to come together in the line. And, you know, he's a bit of a punchline, but Kirk Cousins is a serviceable top half of the league, above average, borderline top 10 quarterback. So there's a lot of pieces. And again, hearkening back to something you said about the Bears the other day, Nagy left the cupboard bear. And bear is funny. But, or excuse me, Pace. Pace well, Nag- yeah. Nagy and Pace. I mean, it was a team. But, and, and they're in a different spot. The Vikings are in a much different spot where the cupboard isn't bare, but where do you want to go with this? Like, how quick do you want to try to turn this around? It's, it'll be really interesting to see what the front office does, you know, over the course of the next year with, uh, you know, the draft capital and the free agency because, and we'll get to that, the defense isn't going to be around forever and... Justin Jefferson's nearing the, I think this is his third year or fourth. Now he's, he's getting towards the end of a rookie contract and you got to make some decisions at quarterback. So it is a very strange um, regime change in my mind. A lot of regime changes are like the bears where it's like, Oh man, we're, we're in a fucking crater here. Yeah. So coming, coming Um, in with a, a little more to work with, but still a lot of uncertainty. Okay. I agree with all your your statements so far. Um, I think you look at the last two years of those Zimmer Zimmer era, and you see why he was fired. Um, the NFC was weak. You should have made the playoffs with the roster you had both of those years, and you did not. Um, last year was especially insane because you're right; they didn't like their Pythag was only half a win off of what they ended up with at eight and nine. Yeah. Uh, problem is, you only needed nine wins to get in the playoffs, and you couldn't do it in a week week conference um but you know you finish half the game under your expectation um but really it was sort of you know the the the, the season unwound on them i mean you know, as they, you know the kind of the 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 floor fell out from under them uh after a very hard fall win against uh both the chargers and the packers but it's the early part of the schedule where it's like uh oh my god what might have been you know the loss to the they had two road games to start the season bengals cardinals both of them they lose on end of game field goals. The Bengals one was especially salt in the wound because it was pre- it was preceded by a Dalvin Cook fumble that wasn't really a fumble, um, but they reviewed it and didn't have enough evidence to overturn it. So the Bengals get the ball in overtime, <laughs> kick a field goal, win. Um, Cardinals similarly, I thought the Vikings outplayed them that day, but the Cardinals eke out a win, thirty four thirty three. Was that and that might have even been when the Vikings missed did they miss one to end that game? I don't exactly remember, but they feel like both of those the the ball was in yeah. you know the like in um in tennis we say the match was on that person's racket, meaning like win or lose, it was kind of depending on how person A played. I felt like the win or lose was kind of on the way the the Vikings played in a lot of the early games here, including the Browns loss by seven. Like they had the ball late in that game with an opportunity to tie and they couldn't pull it off. And, uh, you know, you, you know, they got lucky to beat the lions in week five, but if those three early losses are wins, you're talking about a six and O team potentially. And people are buzzing about them being a true super bowl contender. And, 
the difference between what actually happened and you know the closeness of those results really kind of spoke to sort of the end of the the era um and uh nothing else about those results i didn't you know beyond the um the cowboys loss again another one that that one was just crazy you catch an absolute all-time break and you can't even capitalize on it that was basically the end of the zimmer regime in my mind it's Um, probably fair and he was basically a lot you know lame duck from that point forward um, and I, you know, moving on from Spielman is fine. I think the Vikings as a franchise, like they have an owner who at least kind of gets it in terms of willing to spend the money on the X factors that you can, you know, that can help you, you know, become a premier franchise in the NFL. And I think the Vikings are capable of doing that. And I got a hot take for you, Andy. I think they had their chance this offseason to put a rebuild on steroids. And they chose not to do it. And I think it was going to, they're going to look back on this as an opportunity lost because this Vikings team is best case scenario in purgatory in 2022. Worst case scenario, they missed the playoffs again by with an underachieving season. And they won't have the draft capital next year to make a move for one of the future franchise quarterbacks. So they're just kind of stuck with Kirk Cousins. And that's the decision that I want to revisit a little bit because Kirk Cousins had trade value this offseason, considering specifically how weak the quarterback class was. Kirk Cousins was a was an asset this offseason. The only other guys were guys who had been completely passed over for dead, like the Baker Mayfields, guys coming off major injuries like Jimmy Garoppolo, guys with enormous red flags uh, around them and an enormous price tag in Deshaun Watson. And if the Vikings had elected to start the rebuild in earnest in year one of the uh, Questy regime, then I think they get there faster than they would otherwise. And you got to bear with me a little bit here, but you only really have one true blue chip in Justin Jefferson, but you could pay that guy and you can bring in, you know, you could, you could have moved on from Kirk cousins. You pay Justin Jefferson and then you put yourself in position to draft a quarterback in next year's quarterback rich draft. And I think your rebuild happens more quickly. what are your thoughts yeah. on that? And again, it, it it harkens back to like what you know, what is polls gonna do? What would you know what's Averflus gonna do? Like, would they ever consider just tossing this season out? And then you know, we, we talked about that if you missed the Bears podcast, who said this like, you know, who who gets a job the next time around? The guy who won right away and proved like, hey, I can take a bad team and win more games than I thought, or the guy who did the right thing, probably and set the team up for, you know, success by tanking that first year and getting things in the, you know, in the right direction, moving in the right direction. And it's for sure the, you know, the guy who wins. So it's hard to, you know, kind of sort out everybody's, you know, what, what, what would be the best for them? What's, what's their best case scenario for their career. And it's not always what's best for the team, which sucks. I do like what you said. The Wilfs are, you know, uh, they're businessmen first and foremost, but I think they understand enough about, hey, guess what? If the team wins, 
Like it is good for business. It's not just straight. It's crazy that Cincinnati had so much success. And yes, I mean, it just lightning in a bottle, getting that offense put together and some nice drafting, but you know, Cincinnati was always one of those teams where if they had success, it was not because they were trying, you know, they, they were just trying to run that as a profitable business, but the Wilfs were willing to spend. So it is a little interesting to see the direction they went. And I do think you're right. I think it's going to be a longer rebuild because it is a weird spot. Like you don't have as much uh, leverage moving Kirk. Now you have Delvin cook getting a little older, Thielen getting a little older. We're talking about this defense is starting to lose a lot of its key pieces. And if certain things don't work out, it's not going to be a terribly good defense because you can't, you can't just have like one good guy at each level and expect it to be a top half defense. Other yeah. pieces, other pieces, pieces have to move in. So yeah. Then that, I guess, thought exercise, would you rather be, and again, throw out Virginia here and the Wills, like just consider it, you have a good owner, but would you rather be Poles or Kwesi? Like, would you rather Wessie be in a, like, by a mile? For, <laughs> Not close. The Vikings were the best sure. GM jo- GM job going. No, no, but, it is. But I'm saying the situation you're in, like the Bears, like you do get to kind of build your own. Because here's, roster, here's here's you the have thing. a blank slate to work with, which is so. Fun. so yeah, I mean, yes. it is Wessie. So the Bears, I think, recognized where they were and did the right thing. We talked about that already. The Vikings, I don't think you can say the same. And I guess what I mean by that is what just happened last year? You had a fluky Super Bowl win by the Rams. But it validated the idea that if you have a team that is built to win now, you can go get a quarterback like Matt Stafford, plug him into your system, and go win a championship. And like, if you squint real hard, what is the difference between Stafford when he was at the end of his Lions tenure and Kirk Cousins the last couple of years, right? If you're squinting, are those two – is this the same picture, right? The office meme is the same picture. Yeah, it is like, the same picture. He's kind of got a very distinct ceiling, but a floor that's a lot higher than a lot of the other guys out there. And I feel like you could have capitalized on that and you could have made some team out there think that they were uh, – a, uh, the Rams. a Kirk Cousins away. away. Yeah. And that team might have been the, the Colts. That team might have been the Commanders. Like you could have gotten some draft capital from a team that is so thirsty for quarterback play and has a good roster otherwise on the basis of this promise of you're a quarterback away and Kirk Cousins is that guy. It would have been great if they had traded Kirk Cousins back to the Commanders. That would have been just absolutely phenomenal. I really, um, I think we <clears> mentioned it at the end of the season when it was, t- you know, rumored that he was on the block we said like the colts would be a crazy good fit like colts would I be a one would, great, yeah like, and honestly like we said i think that we made a joke we said like the colts that team is very good like that team it wins their division and then just gets shit stomped by buffalo in the playoffs like yeah and it, it's not yeah. high enough to like take him to the super bowl but you, you don't know like We'll get to the clicks and you get there. We'll get to the Colts and we'll get to Matt Ryan, but I will go to my grave that Matt Ryan has a scarier floor than Kirk Cousins this year. Yeah, for For sure. sure. For sure. And so the ceiling may be about the same, but the floor potential for Ryan being washed, washed is non zero. 
Um, and so, yeah, I think realistically, like that was your move. Get more chips in this year's, this last year's draft to rebuild your trenches, to, uh, you know, to add another wide receiver, you know, for, for future quarterback, you know, attack quarterback next year. And rather than go that route, they bring back Kirk Cousins and it's literally like Groundhog Day now. And you're like, what is different? What is different other than the coach about the personnel of people in this locker room? Yeah. Why is this year going to be any different? Let's get into this year because I I think, yeah, I mean, just the the headline is, yeah, 2021 was a disappointment for everyone, but people who wanted Zimmer fired, they're happy. We're moving on. And, yeah, I think our hypotheticals are on. Our hypotheticals are usually on. But unfortunately, they're not what the team did, and we're stuck with, we're stuck to talk about what they did do. So, what say you about the regime change? I know you you see a lot of stats on Zimmer running on early downs way too often, running on just passing downs way too often, not using, you know, motion in the correct ways. And we just saw, I mean, it was just an absolute. What what's the What's the class you can take that's taught by like celebrities? Masterclass? Is that sure. What it's called? Yeah. It was a, it's a, it was a, just a masterclass in, in like name nepotism. Like Zimmer yeah. had a kid on the staff. Clint Kubiak was your offensive. Like it's just a bunch of people that like, do we know if these people are qualified or does their dad coach? Like, oh, my, my dad, <laughs> my dad's, my dad's mayor. But uh, um, yeah, it was, it was yeah. dumb. Like the, the coaching staff they put together was, it felt like every year it just got worse from a standpoint of like, this is what we're going to roll out. This is, this is what we think is going to work at this point. So good to get rid of a a defensive head coach. I said defensive head coaches only work if you have a very smart, um, innovative, willing to try things, offensive coordinator, which the Vikings Mm -hmm. really kind of didn't have. I mean, at one point they did, but then he ended up in Cleveland so yep, right. <laughs> we end up with bad leadership at the helm as far as with this off. And like we talk about, Justin Jefferson is a number one receiver with a bullet. Delvin Cook mm-hmm. can do all sorts of things. Cousins is above average. Thielen, Osborne, Irv. Like you have good skill position players. And the offense was just getting held back. Now yeah. the, yeah, the description of Iowa. Now the, so the, you know, the the wisdom would say, hey, this guy played for the he coached for the Rams. He was a quarterback when he played. He's just going to come in and they're going to be winging it or they're going to play just like just like um, the Rams. And I, I wanted your opinion on that kind of in a broader sense. When you bring in a coordinator as a head coach who did not call plays. Do you you don't often get just like, hey, this is it's not going to be like McVeigh. Like here's what McVeigh did. That's what the Vikings are getting. I think it's going to be obviously much different than what we saw from Zimmer. God, like the guy should be run out of town week one. If we just see the Zimmer game plan again, but like, I don't know if it's just instantly going to turn into, you know, Sean McVeigh's genius or whatever you want to call it channeled through Kevin O'Connell. So it's, it's tough to say the guy didn't, you know, the guy did not call plays in the, in LA. Hey, Zach Taylor made it to the Super Bowl, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I think here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's fair. Uh, 
Like, I don't know what to make of the, the guy. Process, so the, yeah, I, I do. I think he has realistic potential to even not do a great job. He should still be able – You he, he is – he is playing with house money because of what Zimmer did over the duration of his tenure and the way that that offense p- played down and the degree to which they handicapped themselves in a lot of games and the degree, degree, degree to which a lot of those close calls, the, a lot of those, oh, they needed a very lucky bounce to beat the Lions. Like, a ton of that shit was self-inflicted. Just like it the is, fucking It is. That's and, a really yeah. it's a really good point, though. It is like – it's. It's so, an expectations yeah. thing, like how right. you win coach of the year by having a terrible year the year before. Right. So he's, literally, he's, O'Connell can. Yeah, he's yeah. the stepdad after the dad went. <laughs> yes. Oh my God! What a what a like, what a like, uh, what a what a, uh, a metaphor. Yeah. That really. Like you just you're you look better by comparison, no matter what you do, and I I mean, what is the chance that like he runs more on first downs than Zimmer? I mean that, zero. It's it is zero. We don't zero. deal in absolutes, yeah. but it's zero. So it's he's zero. going to look yeah. better by doing things that are more forward thinking. And, and, and so I guess he's playing with house money in that number one, he comes in and he takes over a situation with talent on the offensive side of the ball with a quarterback with a relatively high floor, with an analytics, you know, minded GM who's going to ask him to do things a certain way, and that that's going to be plus EV in general. And that you're going to clean up some of the low-hanging fruit, some of the easy shit that's there to get extra wins in the NFL these days. And he's probably going to capture that stuff. And in doing so, the offense itself, you're going to be able to look at it and objectively say, relative to years past, there was growth. There was positive improvement here. And so he's playing with house money in in that regard, even if he is not capable of coming in and constructing, you know, world mind-bendingly good offensive plays but even that like getting to kevin o'connell was not a clean path for this front office which has got me a little spooked about them like the initial hiring of Quessy was like a uh like i felt like everyone who's analytically minded and studies football that was like a high five moment like oh yeah great, like great work great great job guys you got him and then and then they flirt with harbaugh the fuck was that? that <laughs> like, was why in the why in the you're gonna replace Zimmer with Zimmer Light? <laughs> like really? Part, like part of yeah. Bad? Part and, of me wanted that so bad. Mm. Just like the part of me that would stop to watch, uh, you know, a house burn down. Like oh shit! Look at, like, look at oh, that. This will be like, well, this will oh be interesting. Oh like oh, God. we like, have talk, we don't know that we don't know the lows of this franchise yet. Talk radio would have been amazing <laughs> for a while, especially oh, yeah. I for yeah, the, oh, yeah. the Harbaugh thing had a lot of steam. Like yeah. there were people that were very convinced it was done, and that did feel out of character for. It's and like, I'm well, glad- you're just gonna you're gonna take the wheel and you're gonna immediately crash this car. Like that's not good <laughs> for any of us. <laughs> and yet they ended up with Kevin O'Connell, who I think is you know like literally his floor is zach taylor like a guy who has two years where you're like is he good and then happens to have the right team at the right time and you decide year three one way or the other right like that's kind of his floor i feel like and his ceiling is he could have a lot of the concepts and a lot of the stuff sean mcveigh has done to really kind of change the game 
that he, you know, and he could bring that immediately and utilize that with the current roster. And this offense could look a lot like the LA Rams. <laughs> like that's entirely plausible. Like you have, we, we were just, I started this whole thing off making the joke about squinting and looking at Stafford and cousins. And they're the same picture. Like they, like you could cover up their stat lines at the end of the season. If both are healthy and play 17 games and not be able to tell which is which I feel like. And for those reasons, I think it's fair to be bullish about this Vikings offense generally this season. Schedule's weak. Pieces are there. Jefferson's a game breaker. As you mentioned, all the rest of the skill position players bring something novel and interesting and good to the table. You're not really, you're not counting on any, any unknown quantities making a leap, really, for this to be a, a, a decent offense. No, the, the only... The only leap that would really, really make a difference, and we see like they have a good one, a great one to at receiver. Osborne is fine as a number three, and we've we've seen other guys contribute. And you have good tackle play. Like the the ends of the line are good. Maybe even a, a word better than good at some points, but it's hard to I will tell. only go so far it's, as to say above replacement level. It's they're very much above average. If you if you look at just individual grades, and I I will give them the benefit of the doubt. I I don't know if PFF does anything about this, but if I had my grading system, I would say I should be grading these guys higher because they're playing next to guards that are garbage. So like that, that makes your job harder. But if you saw, and the, the, basically the interior of the line is really rough. Like you're, you're going to be able to get pressure up the middle and possibly you're just going to get edge pressure too, because these tackles are taking on so much of the load. And if you see anybody take a big leap forward, one of these guards, or it's going to make a mountain of difference because that is, more than any other, you know, positional unit, I think maybe outside of defensive secondary, it's such a unit, you know, receivers are, yes, they're running different routes to work each other open, but they're more individualistic than a lot of this, but the offensive line is like one flowing, you know, symbiotic relationship between five guys. And once in a while you toss a tight end in there for some fun, but it is, it is a problem how bad the middle of this line is. And that's, that's probably going to hold them back a little. But again, if you have a, we talked about this with the bears. If you have a smart enough play, play caller, you scheme around it. You scheme okay, around your I, I don't, I will, t- I will take your word for it on the quality of the tackles. Cause I, I wasn't there with these guys, but that's fine. I will also say though, that the any negative, <clears throat> I will say that any negative grading or any like less than you would hope for, grading of the offensive line for the Vikings based on the last two years. Yeah. Some of it is predicated on the predictability of the offense. It is, you know, you know, what's even, you know what, you know, it's tough to do your job as an offensive lineman in the NFL anyway, but you know, what makes your job even tougher when the team knows knows that the team knows the play. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like any T any, like if I was a GM, I feel like there's probably a hidden edge in trying to pick off like high pedigree draft picks who didn't make it in stupid franchises on the offensive line, because those guys might be better than we think, but they just were asked to do the impossible, which was not only can you do your job, but you have to do your job with the, without any help of misdirection. Do you without remember? Any- <laughs> 
do you remember Tecmo Super Bowl or those original NES games where if you picked the, there's eight plays and if you, as the defense, you picked the right play, you would just blow them up. But if yeah, you picked like a run, that. if you, if you picked a run play and they threw, they would usually blow you up. Yes. And that's very, very simplistic. That's an eight bit video game from 1989. <laughs> but all the, you know, all the fancy talk you're going to hear in different previews yeah. and podcasts all year. And people are talking about 11 personnel and, you know, this position groupings and what they do and tendencies. Like it really, really, really all just boils down to being unpredictable. And, and sometimes that word, the connotation of the word, unpredictable makes it sound like god oh, you're a wild card or we don't know what this guy's <laughs> gonna do no it, it's the same as fucking eddie has tecmo like if the team puts out a defense that's meant to stop one thing and you do something completely different that's how you have success but again if you it's third and two and you're just bound and determined to run one of your base running plays and say we're gonna will our way to this first down mm-hmm. that is predictable they're going to stack the box and it's yeah. just not going to work. So like throwing, throwing on passing, mm-hmm. throwing on running downs, running on passing downs, using misdirection, using, you know, confusion uh, adjustments at the line, being yeah. unpredictable with your yeah. offense is, and like you said, the, the offensive line has it hard enough, but if, if you can have the defense reacting where they're not in aggressive, you know, aggressor mode, constantly because they are just they know where the ball's going and they're headed in that direction if they're having to take steps back and reassess and even split second you know you talk yeah. about how play action works and everybody you can tell them we're not handing the ball off and yeah. promise and they'll still there's still that split second of uh you know hesitation you see that on the defense it's going to make the offensive lines a, lot, a job a lot easier so yeah that's if you're a vikings fan if you're a vikings backer that's really what you're hoping for is just not being able to tell you know when you're sitting next to your uncle watching the old purple no, tell him like oh the they, i know what this play is like yeah, that's how it is you, you just can tell what the play is every time yeah so one of the benefits of having a veteran quarterback i mean you're handicapped with the salary structure and that you know that limits what you can do otherwise with talent on your team but one of the benefits is you have a guy that presumably at the line can check out of bad plays and check into good plays. He can, you know, the 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 classic Tom Brady, Peyton Manning stuff was always like he's up there telling the offensive lineman in the moment, like roles, responsibilities, making adjustments to make everybody look better. And like misdirection and, the you know, kind of hitting those, um, you know, sort of secret low-hanging eve plus ev stuff like i definitely think that makes players look better and if your team is not doing it like like i I just i refuse to believe that the vikings never being able to really solve the offensive line seahawks never really being able to to get the offensive line figured out like i don't think that's a hundred percent a talent evaluation thing i think a lot of it is how you how the what the players are being asked to do and the degree to which the offense is willing to press the easy buttons and I think they'll be pressing the easy buttons more. I think that's a realistic expectation. And for those reasons, I think that O'Connell will be perceived, rightly or wrongly, will be perceived positively through his first couple of seasons based on the offense itself just looking better and being more unpredictable. Now, whether that translates to wins or not depends a lot more about what's going on on the other side of the ball. 
Yeah, they lost some pieces, and they, like we said, I kind of alluded to it. You can't just have one good slash great, maybe not great anymore for any of these guys, but you can't just have one real good player at each position level. And to be fair, they are going to have a good pass rush. I think that probably is, you know, still going to be a strength of this defense if healthy. You know, we've seen Daniil Hunter battle numerous injuries over the past couple of years, brought in some help for him, replacing some pieces there. But secondary is still going to be pretty rough. And then lost uh, lost bar, linebacking core is a little lighter, although you did keep a lot of your decent coverage in the linebacking core. So I think really the the biggest problem is going to be, hey, this defensive line is going to be good, but will it be healthy? Because it's not very good when it's sitting on the bench in plain clothes. And then the defensive secondary has just been like, hey, Harrison Smith's good. And then we're going to rotate guys through here. And it's it was tough. Two years ago, they were down to like fourth stringers, man. It was There were some real problems. And it's something that really hasn't been fixed. So I don't know what uh, your thoughts on the defense are. But yeah, and, and like you said, some of the good players are aging out. You have yeah. a window, and this defense is going to start having to replace the Harrison Smiths and people like that. Yeah, that's that's part of that's part of what gives me pause. <clears throat> In years past, doing this, I would say if you are using any kind of projection on the quality of the defense to make any decisions about how a team will do a balance of the season, you're wasting your time because it's unpredictable. It's more of a reflection of the offense. And, you know, unless there is a true, obvious, clear Achilles heel with a given defense that could be picked on and can put your team under pressure, then, you know, it's you're, it's a fluky, difficult-to-predict exercise. This defense does not look good to me, though. This looks like a, there are a couple of Achilles heels, which is why I think the ultimate question of retaining Kirk Cousins was a problem because Kirk Cousins is only a quarterback that can help you achieve success if you are a quarterback away. And the Vikings, to me, are not a quarterback away. There's too many holes, too many problems with this unit. And the aging out of certain players and the attrition uh, to free agency of certain players is going to have an impact on top of the fact that you are going to be basically starting over with the system. And, you know, I'm sure we, you know, we were tough on, Zimmer for his lack of overall vision leading that team, mostly on the offensive side of the ball. But he was a good developer of talent. He took a lot of draft capital that the Vikings expended on defense and turned, especially the front seven players, into really, really good players and contributors. And now those guys are either leaving via free agency or they're aging out. um, And you've replaced them with decent-ish replacements, but guys that I still have huge questions about. I don't really know that I love the Zadarius Smith signing. I don't really know uh, that uh, that Dalvin Tomlinson is going to live up to the promise or the expectation that they had when they brought him in a couple years ago. Uh, and the health questions swirling around Daniil Hunter, who's your only true elite pass rusher, um, you know, they give me some pause. Uh, secondary has huge, huge question marks. Patrick Peterson is long, long, long way from his best football. Harrison Smith is wake, making way more money than he's valuable as far as a, a contributing piece. The draft, you know, expending draft capital on effectively a safety DB, DB combo player from Georgia in the first round was a tough 
decision in my opinion um similarly andrew booth is a little bit of a reach and you're gonna probably have to start him um so this is gonna put you under immediate pressure uh this season and i think the defense is poor enough in terms of talent that the vikings even if the offense looks good they're still going to end up losing some games because of not being able to get any game stops and or just not being able to keep up in some shootouts um yeah they have they have half of the you know close the game theory they have the running game like the running game should be fine if they can keep that running scheme they just need to use it at the right times they'll be able to run the ball with the lead but boy, if they don't convert a third down and the other team can go out there with short time, that secondary might get roasted, especially if Hunter and Smith are tired at that point and pass rush isn't getting there quick enough for some quick zips across the middle of the field. These young corners are getting roasted. Patrick Peterson hasn't been graded out well since, you know, can Kaepernick was in the league. It's, it's, it's three years. It's It's been a few years. Like, he's a shell and – so yeah, fully full agree on that. Um, I don't know. You want to take a peek at the offense, see what we can do with this team? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Or the, um, the schedule, excuse me. Let's look at the schedule. Yeah. Um so I, have cons- a, I have a game plan. Oh boy, well, well save that for that. Yeah, no, I'm gonna save it for the end, but it, yeah. it is predicated a little on um, the, the uh schedule. Okay, so as I look at this schedule, this is does not this does not spook me. This is not one of the tougher schedules mm-hmm. in the NFL by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you're favored in a lot of games, which is pretty, you know, which is pretty lucky considering you are a um, 500-ish team by the market expectation of eight and a half wins. Um, and there's not a ton of elite quarterbacks on this rundown, particularly in the first half of the season, which is when presumably your defense might be especially sketchy you know um i do think green bay is a problem week one for you um i do think philadelphia in general is not a great matchup for you um we've talked about detroit being a little bit friskier than expectation and you know a a potential for an zero and three start is not not impossible well last year too potential for detroit played minnesota tough last year yeah, you got three tough games out of the gate where if your defense is letting you down, um, your offense may not be able to pick up the slack and you may get off to a sluggish start, at which point week four, you got to go travel internationally and play the Saints. Um, the Saints have very talented offense, in my opinion. So realistically, wins are going to be tough to come by until you get uh, past that Buffalo game, uh, at which point, uh things start to open up a little bit for you what's your read? yeah that is my read and I, I mean fuck it i'm gonna spoil it that's the plan of attack like this team can absolutely trip over their own dicks for 10 weeks and still make the playoffs with that schedule that's I'm, fair i'm not high on dallas i'm not high on new england um you know the jets and the giants i'm not sure anyone is really high on Indy, again, I I don't love the Matt Ryan move as, as much as uh, some people do. Detroit's still a tough out. They play them tough, but as a team that you should be able to beat. Chicago is a team you definitely should be able to beat. Like after Buffalo, you could absolutely 
go seven and one in that stretch. Yeah. And really, what what does it take to make the playoffs in this in ten? <sighs> yeah, that's end of that schedule is fucking soft, man. If you get God to the damn. Buffalo After game, that Buffalo game, you're in yeah, really good shape. Yeah, if if you if you have three or four wins at the Buffalo game, you're not dead. And yeah, you're take you start taking on some teams that have defensive questions. You start taking on some teams where Justin Jefferson has a real nice, real nice matchup. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, you got to get, I guess, the key, the key games that are going to swing the season for them, in my opinion, are week eight and nine. That Arizona Washington back to back with those two basically pickums right now. If you if you if you win those coin flips, you're definitely going to the playoffs. If you lose those coin flips, then it's a little sketchier. It depends what other teams are going time. to do. You know, we're yeah. we're presupposing that the NFC is weak. There's a chance that three or four teams surprise, and it maybe takes eleven wins. But man, with the seventh seed, it feels <laughs> like it does feel like ten does get you there. So oh, 10 again, if you, if, you, if you at at Buffalo after Buffalo. If you're four and five, like you, you can absolutely still make the playoffs almost quite easily. Like six and two yeah. gets you there, I think. I point. grade, I grade the Cardinals as a better team than you, but you have rest and travel advantage over them. There, you could steal that one. I grade you as a better team than Washington, but you got a little bit of a disadvantage having to go it's, outside. It's still a tough to place travel. to play early November. Um, Raljan. So I'll tell you what, I'll tell you why else it's good to probably just give this a good old let it breathe, let it let it let them figure it out. We're um, gonna decant it. We're gonna decant pour it. it and uh, let it breathe. That week four trip to London, not easy. Yeah, you um and you're not taking a buy after. You go right into Chicago the next week and then Miami the following week before you get a buy. And so early potential headwind against the Packers and the Eagles and maybe the Lions challenging Saints game potential for tripping over your dick against the Bears and the Dolphins so you, this could be this could set up well for a midseason entry on uh, playoffs yes I love that that is what I'm putting in the uh in the game plan notes, notes. I've got notes for every team I'm gonna I'll start <laughs> a thread tomorrow with the first four like we've kind of set out our gameplay it'll be fun to revisit some of these tweets when the vikes are like oh and 11 <laughs> and like well you know the best made plans of mice and men are sometimes ruined by a terrible defensive secondary so i mean we, we'll look at the odds even though we did say let it breathe because i think it's at least worth taking a gander at this season win total seeing what you think i would yeah. not bet the juicy over even no, out, it, no, even no, a flat no, nine no. at a good price, but I mean the the under. If I'm betting the under, I'm probably taking at least one step down into the alts. Oh yes. Like if, if this team, if this team really struggles and loses a bunch of coin flip games, like this is a five or six win team, and, that, and that's <clears throat> that's a thing that will happen when you have new coaching, a new staff. Do you know who the head co- or the offensive coordinator is? Uh, I'll give you a clue. Man. His father has me blocked on Twitter, and his grandfather is a bum. Wade Phillips, 
son is a coach? Wes Phillips. Oh wow. Third Did gen. Not know it's that. funny. It's funny. I made fun of the nepotism. Yeah, it still exists. It it's alive and well up in Minnesota. Uh, so I don't know anything about him, but he obviously it's still. I think Kevin O'Connell is still pulling the uh, or going. He's going to call the plays. So okay. again, we we don't we don't know much about that, but if that's a disaster and the defense doesn't play, this team wins five or six games. So you yeah. know, under seven and a half plus two twenty. I don't know what you get. Plus, what do they do for a jump on that? Usually. 40 yeah usually you get about 50 60 cents yeah so maybe a two to one for under seven and a half would be a look you know why else uh you want that alt under (laughs) playing your playoff yes later is fine yeah plus plus kirk cousins is getting old if uh, if he suffers if he suffers from some injury kellen mond winning in nine games kellen mond didn't need in the backup is he sean mannion I think it's Mannion. I think I think Mond will move up the uh move up the whatever okay. you want to call it. The well depth. If chart. something happens to Kirk Cousins early in the season, if he suffers any type of uh of issue going up against uh some pretty some pretty physical defenses with some pretty big bodies in Green Bay, Philly, Detroit, and New Orleans, um you pack it in for twenty twenty two at that point. Yep. And you actually get the tank that you probably should have done anyway. And maybe, maybe I will go straight up, like straight down to the six and a half. So an alt under. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, 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 if, under. and if they get to that Buffalo game and, you know, maybe they've lost some coin flips. My alt under is looking good. I can take some. Oh, yeah. Just take I can take some, make the playoffs yeah. at like five to one and, you know, and find a nice Polish middle. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Where they I, missed the playoffs. I would, I would probably make sure they get to seven wins. I would probably um, look for some ways to play like game by game sort of stuff. So, oh yeah, yeah. no. If they're um, if they're if they're uh, two and nine, seven and one really fucks you down the home stretch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where you you'd have to play some of those games where you think there's an actual or advantage. whatever the however the math works out. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, so I mean, your plan. Did you have any other plan of attack in game by game? Somebody in the chat mentioned. Maybe early season overs. I kind of do have that Lions Vikings game circled mm-hmm. as, hey, the Lions receiving core is good, the Vikings yes. receiving core is good, and both have horrible secondaries. And unless you make that, like, you know, maybe the offenses aren't clicking yet and just doesn't work out. But man, I really, I really think you probably should end up with like a total around fifty in that one, and I'd still probably take that over because these defenses can get their ass roasted. I think overs in general are going to be a little shy all season just because of the potential for once the offense sort of figures things out, then they're going to look a lot better than last year. I mean, the Vikings totals were always stupid low the last two seasons in almost all their games because the just, you know, they, they, the talent said it should have been in you know, low fifties, high forties. And it was like 47 every freaking week. I felt like, and it barely got there a bunch and it didn't get yeah. there a bunch, <laughs> you know, like it was, uh, that, that, you know, this is, there is a, an upside from a scoring standpoint that, uh, that takes th- these games early in the season over. I agree. Okay. Saints is a good example. Detroit's a good example. Green Bay is a bad example just because Green Bay, like, I don't really know how to, ma- I don't really know how to handicap that game, frankly, week one. 
we're talking about minnesota now we're going to talk about green bay next but like teaser tough one teasing season you're gonna take uh get minnesota at home at eight and a half that's pretty fucking good that's probably my favorite teaser leg that's a really good leg oh man Um, all right so plan attack is maybe looking at them after thanksgiving and seeing is this a team and again it's not just when we make these plans it's not just is the team in the right spot for me to maybe attack with the bet i thought the price still has to be right Oh, of course. If the price sucks, we're still probably just going to avoid it. So we're going to have a game plan for all 32 teams, and about 26 of them are going to get thrown out the window because either the price or the situation don't merit it. 